0: friends, OGP, the one giant podcast on a Monday post big game, breaking it down as we welcome you in your hosts, me, Adam Armbrecht, he, Andrew Makowitz, and of course, healthy, wealthy, and wise as we all knew he would be on Valentine's Day, good sir.
1: Ah, yes. Uh, Adam, did you happen to watch any football yesterday or or what? Was there some, I think the Nets had off, right? So that was nice. There was
0: a really, yeah, there was a good um, XFL. They started their, you know, tryouts. They're just starting to do, you know, bringing some of those bodies guys that haven't played in five or six years, taking a look at some dudes that were cut back in 97 off some NFL rosters. So I thought it was pretty good. Did you catch one?
1: Uh, You know what? I actually did. I watched the game. You know what? It kind of felt like, it was a little meh, right? Like, the game was okay, but I don't know. There, there's there been certainly more memorable uh big games to watch than the one that we saw yesterday.
0: The game was bad. Um it, There's a lot of things. I mean, listen, overall, you want to get to a lot of different stuff. I thought that the Cincinnati Bengals did a great job in that game, right? Because by the end of this one, when you look at the scoreline, it's a failing on the Rams part. Like, you should be blowing this team out. Like, And there's a lot of things you could point to. But the first thing I'll just say is, the the commentary during this game was so bland and so vanilla and so disinterested for three and a half quarters, and then Chris Collinsworth tried to dial it up and act like that final drive and the touchdown pass to Cooper Cup, which was it was a nice pass. He started bloviating over Stafford and Cup like the greatest tandem in NFL history. It was the weirdest, most imbalanced like presentation around uh, around a game like that that I've, I've heard in recent memory. Like it, it was so weird. It was so weird and like awkward and uncomfortably just like, I, I don't know. I, I know it doesn't matter. Like, I know nobody cares about it really, but I was just like, man, like you guys get paid substantial amounts of money to basically sit there and do nothing for
1: three hours. It, it, it was weird. It was like he, it, it was almost like the touchdown happened and he realized that the Rams were going to win. So he had to get in like these, like, philosophical greatest duo like just just like in the pantheons of the nfl is this the great like it it felt weird
0: jbs bingo right he was like yeah exactly tic-tac-toe yeah it was was brutal
1: um you know there's a whole host of different things that we need to talk about but the first thing that i wanted to talk to you about adam and i think all giant fans will feel pretty good about this is maybe we'll talk about our man eli apple i mean You know, I think it's pretty funny getting the temperature of Giants Twitter, maybe New Orleans Twitter as well. But uh, man, Eli Apple got toasted by Cooper Cup, gave up the big touchdown at the end of the game. He was like terrible yesterday and all that trash talk that he's had for the last month, month and a half. uh, It feels like he's kind of uh, he's he's eaten his words a little bit. What do you think?
0: Well, I mean, listen, like I, like I I get it, Uh, you know, pre-talking trash uh, Giants fans and Saints fans, they're already going around with like all the highlight reels of him getting beat, et cetera. Right. Once you started talking trash, you obviously put yourself in the spotlight to kind of get ridiculed a little bit. Honestly, he gets beat on that final touchdown. Was it really terrible coverage? You know what I mean? He was draped over Cooper Cup. It's great body control by Cup, turns himself back across. Like Eli Apple has his hand in there. He got burned on a lot of plays in that game, obviously. So did Jalen Ramsey, also got his face mask nearly ripped off his head. But, like, you know, in the spectrum of the game, it's all relative to me. I think he deserves to get burned a little bit here. I also, I also don't entirely get it. Like I, I don't understand why people care. He hasn't played on the team in years. Like him being bad in a Super Bowl does not change what he did or didn't do for the Giants, which is always ultimately what I come back to. That being said, if it if it's one of those things that just feels good to get a, you know, get a little chuckle off of, maybe throw a little shade back his way, more power to you, because there are there were more than, you know, one former giant that, that was in this game and one uh
1: former giant that certainly did not perform so well. in Well, Eli Apple. well A- Adam, I think the, the, the more interesting thing is, yeah, like giant fans, Saints fans, you know, going to go after Eli Apple after all the trash he talked about, you know, fan bases thinking, you know, New Orleans being dirty, terrible city, no, no food, no culture, like whatever he was saying, no favors. Right. Right. He, he wasn't helping himself out, but what I thought was fascinating was like every single NFL player, especially some of the wide receivers, were on Twitter just absolutely destroying Eli Apple. So it's not just the fans that don't like Eli Apple. It's not that he didn't do any favors with with us. Like, you know, Michael Thomas of the Saints came out and was like, this dude's trash. Rashad Bateman, Hollywood Brown, like the whole Ravens team was like, Eli Apple, terrible. Like across the board, NFL players came out and were like making fun of Eli Apple and it was kind of nice to see. It's not just fans like having sour grapes. It's literally other players who he considers his peers are just eviscerating him online. Well,
0: it's yeah. Listen, have, have some fun with, on a, on a brighter note here in a second. But but that's the other part of it. Is like that that was the hardest part. Eli Apple when he was in New York. There's been plenty of guys that have been on the Giants and struggled, right, and never quite met expectations. But he was simultaneously kind of you know talking s at everybody while also struggling on the field. So <laughs> listen. Uh, bottom line is. You may not find yourself playing on an NFL roster come next season, Eli Apple. And, and that's it's relationship building. You want to stick around. You can be a subpar player and still manage to hang on to a you know 53-man roster as long as you stay in the good graces of, which Eli Apple seems not to, the players and teams that you associate with. On the positive side, though, unfortunately in this game, there was an injury. This game felt like the microcosm uh, of Odell Beckham's career, right? And in a very positive way, he got himself a championship. Well deserved. I don't know if all Giants fans can, you know, get past the fact that he was once a Giant and could have been, whatever, blah blah blah. He had a great start to the game. He was clearly the needle mover for the Rams offense, and we've seen that throughout the playoffs, kind of having these key catches, key sequences. We know how good he can be. And then he suffers the injury too, right? So he goes down and has to watch the rest of it from the sideline, incredibly emotional at the end of it, wins the championship, but but again, it really it felt like it encapsulated what his career has looked like. Some really big highs disappointing injuries and lows and, and having to sometimes watch the success from afar, but good for him. I thought I thought great for him. Like, I don't know how you feel or giants fans feel, but like, I, I, this is where I couch the same thing with Eli, with Eli Apple. He doesn't play for play for our team anymore. So I don't really look at it through any type of good or bad lens. Or I don't have any, animosity around it i think it's awesome he deserves to you know he's an incredibly talented player i'm glad that he got to win one it'll be interesting to see what happens with him now going forward with that injury and how it's going to impact his short-term prospects
1: yeah well so the odell thing i don't know i think the sentiment from giant fans is like yeah we would much rather have him win than eli apple like one of the one of them was going to get a ring you know and and i'd rather it be odell you know odell left It felt like Odell left the Giants, not because of the Giants or Giant fans. He kind of left because he, he like, he was a diva wide receiver, right? Like that's all the great ones end up being some type of diva. Like they have it in them somehow. And that was just kind of like who who Odell is, right?
0: Odell left because like the team wasn't good. That's right. why the team wasn't right. good. Like, and I'm not, you know what I mean? Like and the giants moved on from him because he wasn't good. And it's really hard. Cause underneath Dave Gettleman. You go, well, wow, that guy <laughs> sharp tack in the box. Right. But, but like, that's why the team was going to be bad. It's really, it's, 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 whatever we think about Gettleman, it's not good practice to be paying an elite wide receiver enormous money when you're going to be in a rebuild. Even if you're telling people you're not in a rebuild and you're keeping a veteran quarterback, but signing old left tackles to overpay them—it's a whole thing there, friends. But that—that that, you know—that's why you separate. And if you're OBJ, it's you know you get lucky here a little bit, right? Because they don't do you any favors. The Giants, when you initially go to Cleveland, you try to build up there. You have injury concerns, et cetera, et cetera. We all know where it ends up. But he manages to get to a spot and more than just ring chasing per se. It's like he got to play a very crucial role in this. And while Cooper Cup stepped up late in that game, Odell Beckham Jr. was the guy that was making the plays that mattered over the first what, two two plus quarters there before the injury that were really setting the stage for them. And then everything stagnated until that final drive for LA.
1: So uh, the thing that I took away from that game around Odell Beckham is like the Rams were a perfect situation for him. You have You have the offensive player of the year, Cooper Cup, on one side who is unbelievable. Right. And it feels like Odell's perfect spot is to be like the best number two wide receiver in the NFL. Right. Like that's, that's his niche. I don't think he like everywhere that he tries to be number one, it, it feels like it's almost too much for him. So having Cooper cup on the other side made it easier. You saw right away openings, two catches, 53 yards touchdown. Like it felt like if he didn't get hurt, that was going to it was going to be the Odell Beckham game, like you, you you just felt it. And then when he got hurt, you could see the Rams struggled. They're like, I don't know what we're supposed to do. And then around the third quarter, like, oh wait, we have Cooper Cup. I forgot about him. And then they started feeding him the rock, and he ends up with two touchdowns. But yeah, I, I, I mean, I'm curious about Odell, and and we'll, I'll leave you with one more question on him. You know, he's he's basically going to be a free agent, and now you know he said he'll take a, a little bit of a discount to stay with the Rams. But but like you said he he's injury prone but he's electric like how do you how, what is his market in free agency like is someone going to pay him twenty million dollars a year on a four year deal
0: no there's, there's not not off the, and I, we don't know what the severity of the injury is just yet but you're talking about a guy coming off another injury I I don't think so and if he's comfortable being in L A and he likes it there. That, you know like you've already you've already made your money you're not they're not going to give you a 5 million dollar year contract but you'll split the difference right and maybe you'll end up making you know 12 to 14 with some incentives potentially that could get you up towards that upper echelon of money but to your point if it's under whether or not he fully believes it if it's understood that you operate best when you're in a system that has another number 1 to force some difficult matchup issues for the defense and then you can excel in that then you know then you have to kind of price yourself accordingly the bigger curiosity to me would be what if he's 100% healthy what if, like you know what if he comes back and shows that he's capable of being healthy this off season will there be a little bit more of a robust market for teams that are maybe in win now mode if aaron rodgers goes to denver you know, would you like to drop him in there, depending on what other wide receivers you have there? Or is OBJ just comfortable? And like we said, you see all the emotions that he was showing at the end of this game. Clearly, it mattered to him, and I think that that was important too. It doesn't matter to us, but important to see it. Cause that, that, that shows you how much through all this stuff, the guy does love to play football, does want to, you know, win at the highest level and he was able to accomplish that. So it'll be interesting to see what his off season looks
1: like. I was going to say, Adam, if, if I had to peg it, I I think you hit it pretty correct in terms of what the expectation to be. If he's going to give them a hometown discount, how does three years, $40 million sound for Odell Beckham where he's making about 13 million a year, like, it feels like he's in L.A., he's happy, he's making $10-plus plus million The Rams get him on a, on a three-year deal, which is probably the, the rest of his his prime, and everybody's pretty happy, right?
0: I, you would think so, right? Now, they have some concerns around how they're paying who, what, with where, when, and why, right? Because they went all in on this season, so important to win that game. Oh, one other footnote quickly on the Rams. like There was an article that came out that suggested it le- and then became a narrative that this could be McVay's last game. He could be walking away after this to take some time and go collect a check in the booth. This was, and shout out to uh, Lockdown Nets co-host Doug Norrie, who he read up on the article. I just saw the snippet out there. And he's like, if you read the article, all, he was asked, do you, do you see yourself doing this when you're 60 you know, for another 25 years? Because McVay is only 36. And he was like, you know, that's, that's a long time. Probably not. But, and somehow that became... McVay to walk away, go to the booth, and possibly return in a decade like John Gruden did, his predecessors out of his tree. So It was like – the uh, and, and having just seen it in passing, I was like, man, people can really just pull on those threads and make a story that doesn't exist. So uh, McVay also obviously wins the Super Bowl just 36 years old. It will be interesting to see uh, how this team, how he – how, how do they shift and reformulate this thing, right? You have Von Miller there. It was big for Aaron Donald to win, obviously, get his championship. You have Matt Stafford, who looked like he was on the edge of losing a limb all season long, right? But, like, you you checked the first box. You won. You won the championship. Now the question is, do they run it back like this and keep everybody intact? Or, to me, you still have Stafford be a little smart about it. Like, maybe roll some pieces over, right? Maybe maybe sell high on a couple of guys, right? And, and try to reconstruct yourself maybe with some younger parts. And then you can still be competitive next year because I, I, I still think there's these handful of flaws here on this, on this championship roster that going into next year might get a little bit exposed, least of which is Jalen Ramsey is one of the most talented and hardest players to root for in, in the game, in my opinion, because when he makes the big play, he's in, he's in the camera. He wants everybody to know it. And when he doesn't make the play, He's wondering whose fault it was and who didn't do the right thing behind him and whatever. Like he is, he is quintessential Eli Apple just with way more talent. So it's a lot easier to kind of like deal with some of the things that he might say on a play to play basis.
1: Yeah. I mean, well, first we'll start with the McVay piece. I think it's funny that you mentioned that because yeah, they asked him like, will you be here in 25 years? And he's like, probably not. And they're like McVay to coach last game in the super bowl. You're like, how do you get from there to there? I mean, there are different things about how great he would be in television. How he could make more money in TV and and have like
0: I don't uh, think he'd be so great in television. But go on.
1: Well, I mean that, but that's what people are saying. They're saying that he yeah. he would be perfect for TV. Can make ten million dollars a year and work about one tenth of the amount of time that he, that he's working now. But yeah. So he's 36 years old. He, I, If I had to guess, I'm going to say over under at least five more years with the Rams is kind of like where we're at. So we can just park the whole, like, are we going to retire thing? Yeah. J- Jalen Ramsey is interesting because he is ultra talented. He's a top three cornerback in the league. And also, yeah, he, he likes to tell you that he is. And then when he gets burned, it's like the hands are up looking around at everybody else. Like it's yeah. someone else's problem, which I, again, that cornerbacks and wide receivers are like the biggest divas in the NFL. It's just part of the of their DNA. Jalen Ramsey's no different.
0: No, of course not. And so again, like it's not I'm not, even, I'm not even really throwing shade. It's just one of those things, right? You'd love to have a guy that talked that much smack and also complained that much in an instance just because you'd have the incredibly talented player uh that he is. Let's turn our attention real quick here. Um we've done in the past, so we are we're, we're coming to the conclusion of two full seasons uh, of the podcast and normally There are official league dates that start the new league year, but I'm taking my cue uh, from the New York football giants over on Twitter where they said the new season begins now. And they said that right after the championship game ended. So, by the way, sir, we are officially into year three of the podcast. Welcome. How does it feel here? Is the air a little bit fresher? Does it taste a little crisper?
1: Well, it does. And it's also because of a couple of things that are going on, like during, during Super Bowl week, there's parties in LA, you see all, all the players getting all their awards, everyone's hanging out and you hear things like, you know, Travis Kelsey comes out and is like, Mike Kafka is like a football savant. So the giants got very fortunate with, with him. You see, you know, Emmanuel Sanders and Josh Allen and everybody else coming out and saying how, how Dayball is, is the real guy. So all, all the, you know, coaching staff that we've assembled is just getting high praise from across the league. And, and you know what, that, that kind of means something because it was a meaningless game for giant fans. We didn't really care who won this game either way, but to hear that we've got the right people in place as we head into this new season, it does feel like positivity. I'm just wondering, Adam, like, will it be in the next couple of weeks? Will it be before the draft or free agency or training camp where we talk ourselves into the giants making the playoffs, right? Like that'll come eventually. I'm just wondering how early it'll be.
0: Yeah, I've got my thoughts on that, but I'll keep it to myself. You know, it's just the start of the new season, but you know what? The game did matter, Andy, for you and me a little bit more mm. than just two teams playing in the big game out in LA, and that's because of the OGP showdown. And you know, friends, when, when you, the, the the story of the tortoise and the hare comes to mind here, some people start out fast and furious, flashy, spinning their wheels, kicking up dust. Other guys are just slow and steady all the way through. We came into this one tied at nine points apiece. We were doing one point for the super wildcard weekend, then to two and then to three and up the list. We went, we entered it at nine apiece, Andy. And I took those Cincinnati Bengals. I took those big four points. And I said, Hey, I believe in Joe Burrow. I believe in this team to lose by less than four points <laughs> and lo and behold the sweet stench of victory rains down upon me overall because I'm not going to glow too much because you had what you had five of six on opening super card weekend it was a heck of an opening bill for Andy Makowitz but overall uh, you went seven of 13 over the course of the playoffs with your picks I went six of 13 so only one slight better allocation of value as we got deeper into it. But I thought overall, man, uh, you know, 13 to 26 for the show as a whole, good game picks, heck of a competition. The trophy is in production as we speak. We'll have a whole little brouhaha around that once it gets delivered. And, um, I, I, I mean, I knew I was better, right? But this is kind of that affirmation. This is, hey, <laughs> everybody read the writing on the wall here. It, it was going to be Adam. We knew it all along.
1: You know, it, it's nice that you uh, you created the point system for this one too, which is which is nice. So, like, <laughs> I end up picking more correct, but you end up winning somehow. Like that—that's really, you know, that's a testament to 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 your you know foresight to be able to think yeah. about like. Well, he's probably gonna pick more games than me, but if I get one right at the end, like that is is a victory for me.
0: Ultimately, though, by the way, you were burned by the the LA Rams because you took them against the 49ers and the Niners covered that spread, and you took them in the big game and they covered the spread. This was remember, I had this, I had to make a hard choice. I took the Raiders in the points way back on Super Wildcard Weekend against these Bengals. And then after that, Bengals every single
1: round all the way through had to have conviction. I, I listen spreads matter. That's what I tell all, all my friends. They're like, Oh, I think this team's going to beat this team. And, and it's like, yeah, but by how much that's really the the question mark, you know, the Rams miss an extra the botch snap, extra point at yep. the beginning of the game for the Rams comes back to haunt me. Could have been four, could have been a tie tie goes to the guy who picks more. I'm not saying that, you know, that cost me, but, but in the end, you know, point spreads matter. Adam
0: could have been, a um, the Rams missed a uh, extra point. Yeah. It could have been a that would have been four. That that's what been. I'm saying.
1: That that extra point early in the game cost yeah. me. But I mean, huh. look, I me. Mean, you know, we, we can always squabble about one play here, one play there. You know, kudos. Yeah. It's a testament to you. You came thank out on top. More more points in the showdown. Exactly. Uh, I, I got. Well, I got to go back. That's, to that's all I
0: wanted. All, all we wanted from this was you telling me how good I am. That's all. that's, that's all we're looking for. Right, we don't need to. We don't need to to the hairy details of it all. Let's just talk about how good I am. Bottom line is, it it was it was a lot of fun, and we're gonna we're gonna roll this over into next season and do a lot more of it because uh, we finally figured out the system. So we'll go into next year. We'll try to bring in some other podcasts and get involved with some of the showdowns as well. So that'll be a lot of fun too. Other than that, though, man, listen, what's your let's let's cap it off with this? How did you feel about this season overall? Somebody I was hearing people talk about like, is this was this the best possible matchup for the Super Bowl? The game, the game was a little lackluster we all we all understand that but were you satisfied with what the playoffs produced overall and the final game that you got
1: the the Chiefs-Bills game was the best playoff game I've ever seen in my life I mean it literally was it had everything it had drama it had last second scores it had touchdowns galore it had two of the best quarterbacks in the league dueling it out it's like That that game, you could have ended the NFL season on that game, and I would have been very happy. It feels like some of these other games were just a little bit of of fodder at the end. Like the Rams play the Bengals, did the two best teams make it into the Super Bowl? Like I don't know. Like would I've rather seen the Bills or the Chiefs rather than the Bengals, based on like how that game went? Probably because like I just I don't know. But oh, I think as a Giants fan, the season went about as well as you could have hoped for and you may say like what are you what are you talking about Andy if the Giants we, uh, win about it, Andy. yeah yeah well th- thanks Adam um if the Giants win one or maybe two more games then we have another Dave Gettleman Joe Judge season upcoming in the most critical season of, of evaluating Daniel Jones nothing changes it's the same old same old we probably spend $5 million on a backup running back that Dave Gettleman uh, had coffee with in a Starbucks in Carolina in in 2006. Like, we would be stuck there in purgatory. It feels like because the Giants bottomed out and things flamed out so terribly, we finally have, like, a competent brand-new vision from a GM and a head coach and some of the brightest minds in the coaching room. Like, overall, if we're not going to make the playoffs and make a run to the Super Bowl – I think this is probably the best situation the giant fans could have, could have imagined for the team looking forward.
0: Yeah. You know, it's funny because I was thinking back to when we we were talking about records and what the season could look like. And, you know, we had asked that question, like, what does Joe judge needs to do here? And I don't know where we were in this. I'm not, I'm not pitting it. You or me, but you know, I, I feel like it was, well, you know, if you get to set six wins, seven wins, that could be okay, whatever. And I think I remember at the time saying like, I want to set it at, it needs to be eight wins because to your point, had the giants won six or seven games, this could have looked a lot different from how how the organization felt, and if they would have kept Joe Judge around. And for me, it was like, no, you need to be with you need to be within one game of being a above five hundred team, right? Not this weird thing that we did two years ago, where well, you know, it's, it's the wins, but there were three games that you could have said could have been theirs, and then if they had, they would have been nine and seven, and maybe going to the playoffs, right? Like too much of that happens here. You look at this season now that happened, and you go. Well, I'll give you 3 more games that you could have won and you're still a terrible team. Right? Like there, there was no way to get around that and that um sadly is the is the biggest positive you can take away. It was so bad that you couldn't even make a mistake thinking it could have been better if things had gone differently and that was important by the way given all the injuries this team suffered and everything else where you go, what about all these problems like nope, not good enough. Still still shouldn't be that bad, friends, and that's ultimately where they got to. So, um I think I think the key yeah, the key is focused. We're hoisting, uh, you know, losing playing cards.
1: The key that we have realized in the last five or six years is we kind of thought we knew what rock bottom was. And every time we hit rock bottom, we're like, oh, this is it. Like this is rock bottom. And they just kept getting progressively worse and worse and worse. But I do think we actually did hit rock bottom. I think if I had to pinpoint it, it had to be the QB sneak on second down and the QB sneak on third down. Right. Like, that, that was rock bottom for the organization as a whole, and I think we, we will look back and be like, oh, yeah, like we're the only team in the history of the NFL that has ever run a QB sneak on second and third down of a distance more than five yards. Like Clearly, we were trying to win. That was rock bottom, and we actually hit the floor.
0: I I think I think that was the visual rock bottom for this team, but I think the rock bottom was when you saw BJ Hill just slicing through the line in this game to get after Matthew Stafford and you remember that there was a moment when the Giants just actively chose to chuck away a very young talented player in favor of Danny Shelton. Right? Like that to me was the rock bottom when you saw that the organization was still at the hands of people like Dave Gettleman and like Joe Judge that everyone already knew was not going to be a part of this team going forward and yet you allow them to influence big decisions around important players that being said friends at the end of the day because we, we didn't really touch on Matthew Stafford obviously he wins this game he helps cement his legacy Super Bowl okay put him in put him in Canton right but I think maybe Andy maybe we'll dial up because now that we've wrapped this let's get back into that price point QB value, right? We got some guys out there on the open market that could be going to new locations this off season, but I think that that's coming up here. I don't know. Maybe, maybe as early as tomorrow, but I think we're going to tap into where we rank these guys and, uh, whether or not Daniel Jones makes the top 32, we will be back in all week long. Go ahead, Andy. A little, uh, just give give people something to ruminate I, on before we return.
1: I, I was the one thing I was going to say is, you know, Matt Stafford wins. You know, he had a mediocre game. He threw two picks. He wasn't great, and that's why they they literally couldn't give him the MVP. They had to give it to Cooper Cooper Cup because Stafford played, you know, pretty mediocre. What I think is going to be fascinating, Adam, and this is something that Giant fans can can think about it moving forward. If Aaron Rodgers leaves Green Bay. And Tom Brady's retiring. Like, how many really good quarterbacks are there in the NFC? And does that mean that Daniel Jones, within the first six weeks, could vault himself up into top five in the NFC discussion points? Like, this is what, as a Giants fan, makes me happy to think about in the offseason.
0: Well, we'll leave you with that one, friends. Come back in to get all the juicy nuggets from Andy Makowitz about how Daniel Jones, the top five quarterback in the upcoming season. We'll be back again tomorrow talking all things New York football. Giants follow us on social media, One Giant Podcast. Andy Mack, uh, 214?
1: Is it 214?
0: Yep. 214 214. over on Twitter At Adam Armbrecht over on Twitter as well And of course over on YouTube Where the the subscriptions are are building up there We're going to continue to pump out the content We really appreciate the support Looking to surge here over the offseason So join us over there as well And as Andy Makowitz for the We'll say last time Slash the first time of the new season Wants, needs, and nay Demands the people know
1: As always, let's go Big Blue (laughs)